You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. It is Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST. And right here for the Locked On LSU podcast, we're brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. Ed Ogeron was on the SEC Coaches Teleconference Wednesday, as he is each Wednesday, as is every coach in the SEC. And Coach O talked about handling this week mentally coming off an embarrassing loss this past Saturday. Yeah, I think he's motivated to do better, uh, like like all of us are. Uh, we have a 24-hour rule on Monday. We let it go, but obviously, it, you know, it's going to linger with you until you win again. So, uh, you know, everybody's feeling the same way. Uh, we haven't lost there in a long time, uh, but we want to get this taste out of mouth and do better. So everybody took it upon themselves to do better. Uh, it's going to help heading to Nashville this weekend if, in fact, LSU does have Derek Stingley Jr. with them in tow because, of course, it helps when you have the best defensive player in college football playing for you and with your team, which they did not have this past weekend, which they should have this week in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. You know, they never came out with a definitive result uh, of the test. I haven't talked to Jack, and if it is, we're not going to announce it anyway. But anyway, uh, he's, he practiced yesterday. He was in a gold shirt. Uh, I do I do believe that he should play. Uh, it's not conclusive yet that he's going to play, but I do believe he's going to play. So Ed Ogeron there uh, refusing to clarify or de- declining to clarify, uh, again, what it was that uh, that ailed Derek Stingley that sent him to the hospital. His, his dad wouldn't elaborate on off the bench. Ed wouldn't elaborate today or on Monday. So that's something that look at the discretion of the family if and when they want to release that information. Uh, that's That's up to them. But... The good news is is that uh, it seems like whatever it was that caused Derek Stingley to have to go to the hospital, uh, first-time event in his life and something that he appears to be over. Uh, Jacoby Stevens, when he met with the media yesterday, kind of spilled the beans that Derek was actually out of practice on Monday. So Ed initially thought that Stingley would be practicing Tuesday, but Derek did run around a bit with individual periods on Monday and then did participate yesterday, and we'd expect he'd be out there again today. So listen, Vanderbilt is playing a freshman quarterback who threw for 150 yards, a score, and two interceptions last weekend against Texas A&M. This is a huge, huge lean to LSU, especially if you have Derek Stingley out on the field. Um, you know, Ken Seals is the freshman quarterback from Vanderbilt who is going to see his biggest test. Like he went on the road in week one, and obviously that's, that's significant, but A&M has had three defensive backs already opt out of this season. You put Derek Stingley Jr. on the field, and that's going to tilt the field a little bit. The other guy who um, Ed Ogeron updated is left tackle Dare Rosenthal. And Dare is a guy who we've talked a lot about this offseason. He didn't play a ton a year ago. He started a couple of games against the non-conference teams while Sadiq Charles was serving his six-game suspension when they cherry-picked those games. And Dare started against... Uh, Northwestern State and Utah State, um, and had some good moments and some not great moments. Athletically, he's a very gifted guy, but really needs to come into his own at that position at left tackle. Well, late in the Mississippi State game, Dare Rosenthal looked like he hurt his shoulder while diving to make a block. I mean, that's that's sort of the speculation. They landed funny. Uh, and Ed Ogeron gave an update on Dare Rosenthal, and his status is still very much up in the air for this weekend. Yeah, he did not practice yesterday. 
Uh, I don't know if he's going to practice today. Uh, we're going to have to see towards the end of the week, see if he's available. Right now, I, I list him as questionable. Okay. Is uh, Cameron Wire kind of behind him? Could you talk yeah, about Cam Wire? Cameron uh, right behind him. He started left tackle yesterday. And if Derek can't go, Cam's going to start. So, um, Dare Rosenthal, remember, um, this is, a, is, uh, is an interesting – this is going to be an interesting test case for LSU if Rosenthal can't play. Remember, one of the things we talked about an awful lot over the, the offseason, and I said this a bunch, so my hand's in the air. I said that I felt like LSU's first 22 were as good as anybody in the country. Now, obviously, then you have Jamar Chase and Tyler Shelvin opt out, and then Derek Stingley gets hurt, and you see the trickle-down effect. And the point I made was, look, I think LSU's first 22 are really good. The big question is, how good is the depth? If you have to go to your bench beyond that first 22, that's the big question mark. Well, you got the answer in the secondary on Saturday, and it wasn't good. I think those guys would get better, especially now knowing that Jay Ward is playing with a torn meniscus. Darren Evans wasn't even really expected to play. They had to throw him out there because Stingley wasn't there. Flott was working at nickel and then had to play corner because Stingley was... But you understand the point. When you don't have great depth, any any displaced starter, and you have that trickle-down effect, and look at what happened on Saturday in the defensive backfield. So now here comes my question on the offensive line. Look, I like LSU's first offensive line. I'm not going to tell you I think that that's going to be the best unit in the country. Last year, they were far from the most talented unit in the country, but they played very well together, and Joe Burrow compensated for a lot of their deficiencies, and all together, it worked very well. This unit, Liam Shanahan's played a ton. Ed Ingram's played a ton. Austin Deculus has started nearly 40 games in his career. You really like uh, Chasen Hines at right guard, physically gifted enough to play at this level. And then we just talked about Dale Rosenthal. The problem is, after that, you've got nobody with experience. You've got a couple of freshmen in Xavier Hill and Marlon Martinez. You know, you've got a couple of redshirt freshmen, and one of them being, you know, Cam Wire, who's I guess actually listed as a sophomore because he played in six games a year ago in a backup role. But the point is, you're looking at a situation where your next two guys are Charles Turner, who didn't play a snap last year, and Cam Wire, who played in six games but's never started. So if Dare Rosenthal can't go, now all of a sudden, at left tackle, after a shaky performance a week ago against Mississippi State at home, now you have to go on the road and face Vanderbilt. And you may laugh at Vanderbilt, and I wouldn't blame you for doing that in most years, but you know Vanderbilt is, if you notice this past week, uh, Pro Football Focus, their college ratings, rated Vanderbilt's defensive line as the best defensive line in college football for week four. I mean, don't don't laugh or chuckle. They held Isaiah Spiller, the running back from Texas A&M, to five yards rushing in the first half. Now, in the second half, he got off a little bit. The first play of the third quarter was a um, know, like a 57-yard run that he ripped off. But the highest-graded defensive lines from week four in the Power Five Vanderbilt was number one, Georgia, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. So clearly the strength of that Vanderbilt team is their defensive line. Your offensive line didn't have a great day this past week, and now you're potentially down your left tackle as well. So uh, it's also worth noting that Vandy linebacker Dimitri Moore didn't, and this Dimitri Moore was their leading tackler a year ago at 99 tackles. He initially opted out because of COVID, opted back in, but had a minor injury, did not play against Texas A&M. 
they are expecting him to play against LSU. So that boosts the Vanderbilt defensive front seven as well. I'm not trying to scare you about Vanderbilt, but I'm trying to tell you, as we learn more about this team with LSU and their depth, we, we got an answer about the depth and the rotation Saturday in the defensive backfield. We may start to see it on the offensive line Saturday if Dale Rosenthal can't go. So how can the defense get right when they head to Nashville? We'll ask that question to former LSU linebacker Derry Beckwith, who played for Bo Pelini during his first stint in Baton Rouge. We are brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is incredible. I just ran out of my box of orange. I have one every day. I have a, a, a Built Bar literally every single day, so I swiped one of my wives. She has... Uh, raspberry is my wife's favorite. So you can find your favorite flavor or get a mixed box and combine your flavors. But make sure when you go to BuiltBar.com and you check out, use the promo code Locked On to save $10 off your next order. And so that's not a one-time thing. Anytime you order, use the promo code Locked On and save $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. If you need that protein when you wake up in the morning as a meal replacement for breakfast, a mid-morning snack, a mid-afternoon snack to get you through the rest of your day, or post-workout, BuiltBar.com. No more chewy, gross, chalky, chocolate, nasty protein bars that you just have to ingest because you need the protein. Here is something you'll actually enjoy. It's BuiltBar.com. 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 Use the promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So it was a record-setting day for the wrong reasons for the LSU defense Saturday in Baton Rouge. Had a chance to visit with former LSU linebacker Derry Beckwith, who was a captain during his time at LSU. Very smart inside backer, played for Bo Pelini. And I wanted Derry's thoughts, knowing Bo Pelini, on how and why everything transpired on Saturday the way it did, and also how do they fix it. So I started by asking Derry what he was thinking watching that game. I was thinking that the loss of Derek Stingley the day before the game or even the early morning before the game changed the whole complexity of the game. And I understand that all the LSU fans are in an uproar right now that our defense looks terrible, they look bad, which let's all face it, they can do better, they can be better. But when you're playing against a team like Mississippi State and Mike Leach, who's known to put up yards and put up points, and you come out as a defense having one game plan and all of a sudden have to change it at the last minute, can be very, very difficult. You ask a guy by the name of Dan Evans, who I think can be a pretty good, decent player. I mean, the guy just got to LSU two weeks ago. I looked on LSUsports.net. They don't have his picture up. So you 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 throw a guy <laughs> in like Dan, you throw a guy in like Dan Evans to say, hey, go from the Southland Conference to the SEC Conference. Oh, by the way, let's go out this six foot three receiver man man on man the whole game. That's a difficult challenge. Look at a guy like Cordell Flott. He's young. He's a, he's a sophomore. These guys are still young. Jay Ward wasn't, wasn't supposed to play. He just had 
surgery on his meniscus. And speaking from experience, I've had two surgeries on my meniscus. That, that's an injury that's not it, – it's easy to come back from, but it's very nagging. Now, one thing I can say about LSU defense, the positive side of this is this. I believe you found an edge rusher in Ali Gay. Also, these things can be corrected. Talent, they do have it. And you can correct technique. You can do everything you from, from – especially from a man-to-man standpoint, you can correct technique. I think they're going to get it done. I think they will get it fixed. Can it be better? Absolutely. Is it doomsday at LSU? I don't think not quite yet. Now, if they go give a five yards at Vanderbilt, I'm going to be singing a different tune, Matt. <laughs> all right, Derek. I want right, to ask you a very obvious question, okay? So you said you're not having Derek Stingley change the whole complexity of the game. And I, I said yesterday – it is it's disingenuous to ignore the fact that the best defensive player in college football wasn't on the field. Of course that mattered. But is would one guy have re, how could one guy have really like dig deep here really changed the whole outcome of that game? I don't think one guy would have changed the whole outcome of the game, but I but I do believe that you could have uh, moved guys in different positions. Um, you look at a guy like Dan Evans, who I think the night, the day before probably wasn't really focused on playing as much as he was supposed to play. And obviously asking to be, be on the outside and probably, you know, guard. Usually if you're, if you're a DB and you're playing on the outside, you, you're going to the team's best receiver. And so you, a guy like that who was supposed to be, it was supposed to be Derek Stanley, Cordell Flott, and you may have could have kicked Elias Ricks in, in the slot. And so I, I do believe having Derek Stanley, I think some of those throws, they were completed. Like, these guys were getting open on, on similar vertical routes, on deep routes, off the line of scrimmage. I do believe if Stingler was in the game, some of those big throws and big catches that they did have would have been negated if Derek Stingler had been in the game. Now, were they still still giving up a lot of passing yards? Probably so. 623? I, I don't believe so. And I do believe those big plays would have been negated if Derek Stingler was, was in the game. Another thing, and Derry Beckwith's our guest, former LSU linebacker, played under Bo Pelini during his time in Baton Rouge. Another thing, Derry, is you know we've we've all talked about the lack of in-game adjustments. Ed Ogeron has said, look, the plan was to go play man, play tight. You know, we thought we could win one-on-one, that we had better talent, and ultimately they didn't. So why not adjust, Derry? How difficult is that if you see you're not winning one-on-ones to switch it up and play some zone coverage? Well, from a coach's standpoint, if you are a – that was a knock on Aranda last year. Like, for the half of the year, he played a lot of zone coverage. And then when he went to man, you saw a big difference, especially the last part of the season and, and the SEC championship game and the playoffs. Even in that championship game, he went to man-to-man and, and let his athletes play. A lot of times as a coach, when, you, when you're stuck in, in a certain way on, on what you built your whole career off of, it's hard to switch in game because – what you want to do as a, as a coach, you want to infuse confidence. You want to infuse trust in your players. So going to the game, they knew the game plan was man-to-man. They knew that. From a player's perspective, all of a sudden, if the coach says, you know what, guys, we're going to start playing a little bit zone, you may lose a little more confidence. Those players may lose some confidence in themselves if you decide, look, you're not good enough to play man, let's just play zone. I think he's looking, looking more down the road and making sure that he trusts these guys and give them confidence that they can play man-to-man in the future. Now, obviously, could he mix in more, more zone? Absolutely, he could have. But I think he wants to instill confidence in those guys that, look, in the future, I'm still going to trust you guys that we can play man-to-man. Look, I still give both fit 
back in 2007 when he had me guarding Percy Harvin in the slot. Now, if you want to talk about, <laughs> if you want to talk about the in-game adjustments, bro, you should have judged the in-game for that. But luckily, won. But you know, I understand from, from a confidence standpoint, he wants he wants to get those guys confidence. And look, for me, I'm I was saying before the game, LSU DBs are better than Mississippi State wide receivers. Now, obviously, it didn't go their way, um, but it's easier said than done, especially with the heat of the moment. So, Derry, I'm I hear you. I'm also not okay with the explanation to say, I just want to give you confidence because, man, you're getting your ass kicked. Like, you gotta, you gotta do, like, shouldn't you do something different? Like, that's the frustrating thing. So, like, I, I guess what I'm asking is, is it possible to say, all right, we plan for man coverage the whole game? Like, is it, is it possible to switch to zone or would that have created even more problems because the guys hadn't prepared for it? It, it, Easier, like obviously you can go to zone, but Matt, playing zone defense is more difficult than playing man defense. Okay, this is so explore this. So explain this why. So zone, you have to know where your help is. You have to understand zone concepts, and especially playing and playing against a Mike Leach offense. If you're not in the right spot at the right time, he he can pick you apart. Now obviously he picks you picks you apart man, but he can also pick you apart in zone. And zone is also is you have to know where your help is. You have to know. When to pass off guys, when not to pass off guys. And a lot of times, they always told you in the zone defense, never bite the cheese. And what that meant was, in that type of offense, they have a lot of shallow routes. Like, if you notice Mike Leach's offense, he did a lot of shallow routes across, across the middle of the field. In zone defense, if you, if you jump run routes too quick, they can hit you on top. They can hit you over the top. If you drop back too deep, they can hit you underneath. So zone defense is something that you have to prepare for and that you have to practice. And if you, if you don't practice it, I, I can say this. If he would have went to zone that game, I believe he would have had the same result. Because zone is, is something that you have to be prepared for. And Ben, look, the secondary is young. Dog. These guys are young. Dan Evans is transferred. Transfer. Cordell Plot is a sophomore. Jay Ward is a sophomore. Elijah Ricks is a true freshman. These guys, these, all these camps and these sports camps that they've, been, that they've been going through, they've been playing man defense, and that's what they're used to. So ask the guy that just came in, hey, let's play zone, let's play cover two, to the left side of the field, let's play cover three to this side, let's mix in some zone coverage. It's very difficult. From a coach's standpoint, you're thinking, okay, I trust these guys that they're going to get it together. And eventually, you know, man these guys up. Now, it didn't happen that way. So it, it, it could have went either way. I do believe if they did uh, play zone, and this people may not agree with this, I do believe if they did play zone, you would saw the same result. Revving up a, another edition here on the Locked on LSU podcast, Your Team Every Day. As always, uh, we appreciate you for being with us. If you've not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we are brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. So we talked to Derry Beckwith about how the defense played and how they adjust. Also had a chance to talk on the offensive side with Rohan Davey, former LSU quarterback, about the offense and how they improve moving forward. And Roe specifically talked about coaching on the offensive side on Saturday and what he would have liked to have seen the coaches do differently to give the guys a chance to win the game. As far as the, the, who, who you're going to get involved in the past game, who you're going to, who is going to be the guys that are going to get the touches? How are we going to simplify the reads for miles and give them a half field reads or a top down reads, whatever it is to make it a little bit easier for them. When I say simplify and coach, when I say coach better, I don't necessarily mean like, you know, make guys catch or make guys run faster or, or anything like that. Cause you could design all you want with guys got to execute. 
But all I'm saying is just put them in, in a better put them in a better position, especially your quarterback that hasn't played. You know, like we talked about, I'd love to see them come out off the bat and show some confidence in him and just give him a pass play off the top, something small, something to get the ball out of his hands, something to let him know that like, hey, you're my guy. When you come out, you just hand the ball off, hand the ball off, and it's your first time playing. You want to come out and throw it a little bit, and and you want to see see them show that confidence in him. So it's just things like that. Put him in better situation to get the ball out of his hands, simplify it a little bit for him. I just never saw the help that he needed. He needed a little bit more help, man, from the coaching staff. What did you think about the way Miles played? I think it was, uh, you know, it ain't the worst numbers I've seen. You know what I mean? It's just, for me, it's just, you got to get settled. It just looked like he was never settled throughout the football game. And that was the part about it for me. You know, of course, when you throw it so many times, you're going to hit some plays. And I think the kids still have some ability. Um, but I just think that yet the, the other day it was he needed a little bit more help. I think he could, he could have played a little bit better in different in better situations. That's the other thing. It looked like we didn't have time to go over situational football or went over situational football or we didn't understand situational football, especially defensively to give up all those touchdowns on third and long. So I think Miles was okay, man. I mean, he you know at the beginning of the game he looked like a deer court in the headlights a little bit. Um, but as the game went on, you see with just especially the second half where they ran a little bit more and just got the ball out of his hands a little bit more. You've seen that that was kind of like the the avenue or the way to go. But even with that, it wasn't anything that was um, consistent or sustainable. You know what I mean? How do you – so everyone has said that Miles was just sort of indecisive, right? Patting the ball, holding it on a little too long. Is that something that you can fix? You fix it with time and play, and you fix it with coaches giving you just one, two reads, and you're not doing full field reads. You do it with um, establishing the run game if you can, or if you're not going to establish the run game, you're going to throw short to set, to set up the run game. But yeah, that's something that could, that's something that could be fixed with him playing, but also it could be fixed with them simplifying things for him if that's what the problem was, so he could get the ball out of his hands quicker. Because yeah, he was holding on to the ball um, a little bit longer, and we saw that when he gets to move, has to move and try to make plays or keep plays alive. That that's not what we do here. What receivers caught your attention, and why? Well, that's what I'm saying. Ten. Who was number ten? Jare Jenkins. Jenkins. Jenkins caught my eye. Jenkins, and and he wasn't somebody that anybody would talk about. Or like I said, he just showed up though, and that's that's like what he did is what I think that the coaches were trying to figure out in the first and second half. Let's roll. Let's see who stick. Let's see who makes plays. Let's see. He showed up. He stuck to me. He stuck. He was tough. Uh, he didn't look uh, like the moment was too big for him. He 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 he. Out of all the receivers, he impressed me the most. It it is interesting because that's the guy who we weren't talking about. I mean, everyone was right. talking about Kayshawn Booty and and Eric Gilbert and uh, guy right. it, it, Racy McMath. You see, you see, I just had to ask you what his name was. Yeah, and he's the guy who actually stepped up and had had the big day. So he, he showed up, man. He showed up, and that, and that's what happens. Like you know, and and and. and and I'm going to tell you where you was also looking for that to also happen is with the defensive backs. You was looking to see who was going to show up, who was going to – the moment wasn't going to be too – wasn't too big for them, who wasn't going to look like they was in high school a couple uh, – uh, just a few drops ago. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you didn't see that either. Uh, running backs. No one really gained any traction – uh, did did any of the the three that played primarily stand out to you? Not really, not okay. really. I don't think any of them separated themselves. I don't think any of them. I think you know, well, you got to look for the separation, in my opinion, with them. And I didn't watch it too closely to see it. Is 
pass protection, you know, pass protection. You know, all those guys bring something different to the to the to the stable with those running backs. Some are more elusive, some are more physical, some are downhill. Uh Emory is a you know more of a, a, a space guy. Um but where where they're gonna separate themselves right now early is can you put, pick out the protection and not get the quarterback killed. Mm. How about the offensive but, line? Oh, the offensive line was you know you know I was I, I went and I was talking about what we called and I thought that they compared to everything else offensively and where we were at, they seemed to be the strength to me. And, you know, that's what I, I didn't need. I didn't really get to see, you know, it was a, beat, a, a subpar performance, in my opinion, by them as well. Do you think that, in part, the, the day the line had was because of um, continuity? Or, or is it, a, is it a, a talent issue on that offensive line? I would have to, like I said, look and break it down and see. But from a unit, continuity thing is definitely part of it, Matt. That's definitely a huge part of it, the continuity and these guys not meshing together. And, you know, it could be because you got everything so new. You got a new quarterback, new everything. So the calls, all that comes into play. And I know some of that is the problem. You know what I mean? Just from being in the huddle and being with guys and you're trying to figure it out, that's part of the problem. Communication, you know, when you go from a cush to the rest of these guys, it just – you got to get it together, and right now it's definitely continuity. I don't know. I don't necessarily so much if it's a talent thing because, you know, those guys were all talented guys, and it ain't like you was going up against, you know, the the world beaters out there on the edge or even at the D line. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's more of a continuity thing, getting the calls thing, getting everybody on the same page thing, getting the center quarterbacks. Like it's all that's what's going on in the huddle. I, Sometimes when you when I watch it, I can watch the huddle and see just how many people are talking in the huddle. And when there's too many people talking in the huddle, that means there's a lot of confusion going on in the huddle. Mm. And that happened a couple of times. You saw that some when we watched the game, just guys running out and trying to, you know, look around and trying to see, am I going in the right spot? Trying to see, you know, did you hear the call, what he said? So it's, it was a lot of that. All right, that'll do it for us here on another edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. Please subscribe however you listen. And remember, we are brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's Built Bar. Remember, at checkout, use the promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your next order. Until tomorrow, it is the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day.